Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. So grateful this morning for your generosity and for your participation in what God is doing. Amen. This is not a church for those who desire to sit on the sidelines. This is not a church for those who desire to be casual observers. This is a church for the involved. This is a church where you have an opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. And I'm so grateful that we have that. Let's open up our Bibles. Genesis chapter 17 today. Genesis chapter 17. There is an old euphemism that we use here in America and in the English language, and it goes like this. You can't teach an old dog a new trick. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a catchy phrase, but it's actually not true. That goes against what every, uh, every uh, dog trainer and uh, every uh, canine specialist will tell you that you actually, there, there are ways to teach old dogs new tricks. And uh, this is an article that comes from a website called Big Times Kennel. And they say, obedience and manner training aren't just for puppies. It's also a great way to engage with your older dog to keep your pet fit both mentally and physically while reinforcing social skills and the bond you share with your loyal companion. Usually, puppies are associated with needing manners and obedience training, but adult and senior dogs can also benefit. Naturally, older dogs may not be up to the same rigors of agility training, but there are always new things to learn or a refresher course to keep your pet on track. So if you think that your adult dog is too old, too tired, too stiff, or incapable of learning anything new, uh, sometimes it just has to do with keeping your pet as healthy as possible. And I want to make a statement to you this morning that we, as the people of God, as we go through life and as we uh, live for the Lord, that you're going to have to learn to do new things for God as you get a little bit older in the Lord. I'm not just preaching to the old fogies here this morning. I want to preach to everybody who has any relationship with God, whether you've been saved for five minutes or for five decades, I believe God has something new to teach to you today. And we're going to read that in a, in a scripture here in just a moment. Let me just share with you a personal story. that Since the beginning of the year, uh, some of you may remember that I preached a whole series of sermons about healthy habits and learning to do new things. And so since the first of the year, I've been trying to practice what I preach. And uh, I have been uh, uh, watching my diet and uh, working out. I've been trying to live the life of a healthy person. And as a result of that, I have lost some weight, and I'm thankful for that. 
And one of the things, uh, one of the things that I've done that's brand new for me is I have started jogging and running a little bit. And uh, I never, never wanted to do it, never had any desire to go jogging before. I, I, my, my tagline was, the only time you see me running is when the dinner bell rings or if somebody's chasing me. And uh, so i never been a runner, even when I was young, never liked to run, uh, never could do that very well. But, you know, we, we got a new puppy in our house, and this dog loves to run. And uh, the problem is that if I let her off the leash, she doesn't come back to me. So uh, I can't just let her, uh, you know, go run in a field. And so my idea was, okay, uh, maybe, maybe I could start jogging with the dog, and, uh, and we'll see how that goes. So this week, the last week that just passed, uh, I, I did something that surprised me. I surprised myself. And for the first time ever in my whole life, I ran for a whole hour, and I almost, almost got five miles in less than an hour. Okay, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Very, uh, but I'm, I'm not here to boast about that. The reason I'm saying that is just because um, I was reflecting on the fact that I was telling some people about this, that I felt good about it, and, uh, and specifically the idea that I did something for the first time in the 40 years that I've been living on this planet. I've never done it before. And uh, for the first time, I was able, you know, uh, just my legs getting stronger, my lungs handling a little more air than before, and I'm able now to run, run for longer amounts of time without stopping to walk. And so, uh, so uh, for the first time, and I started reflecting, how many times in my life now am I able to say that? For the first time in my whole life, I fill in the blank. And I started thinking about the fact that I believe God has new things for us. And if it's true physically that it's healthy for me to say, for the first time, I ran four and a half miles in less than an hour, maybe it could be that God wants me to do a few first-time things in my spiritual life as well. I'm grateful that I'm still doing things that I've never done before. And I think this morning that is a sign of healthy life, that we don't grow stagnant, that we don't grow static, that we don't reach a plateau in our lives, whether physically, mentally, or spiritually. And I want to preach a message this morning titled, New Tricks for Old Dogs. And I believe God is going to challenge every person here, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, to a new level of obedience and faithfulness to the living God. Let's read. I just have one verse for you that challenges my soul and should echo in your heart this morning. Genesis 17, from the life of Abraham. And it goes like this, verse 24. Abraham was 99 years old. Everybody say 99. That's older than everybody here. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. New tricks for old dogs. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We give you, Lord, all of the glory, the honor, and the praise. I pray that you would challenge us 
Lord, not to grow static and stagnant in, in our walk with you. Lord, I'm praying and I'm believing, God, that you would speak to hearts. And God, even like Abraham, God, give us challenges that we are able to surmount for you. And we give you glory for what you're going to do today in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. New tricks for old dogs. And I want to look, first of all, at an obstinate generation. There is an interesting word in the English language, and it is called obstinance. O-B-S-T-I-N-A-N-C-E, obstinance. And that word is related to stubbornness. Here's the definition. Stubbornly adhering to an opinion, purpose, or course in spite of reason, arguments, or persuasion. It is the idea an obstinate person does not care what kind of evidence you submit to them, does not care what kind of convincing argument you may present, does not care the situation or circumstance, they are not going to change their mind. Now, I will say that there is such a thing as holy stubbornness, right? When you, uh, like, a, like a junkyard dog, when you bite down onto the truth of God's word, you should not let go of that. There is such a thing. When you bite down onto holiness and righteousness and the love of God, like you should hold on to that forever. However, there are a few things in our lives that God wants to change our minds about. And there are sets of life, there are patterns that we fall into just through the course of time that, uh, that we begin to fall into as believers and as parents and as uh, friends, as people of God. And it seems like uh, you could hear a thousand sermons to try to convince you the other way. You could read scriptures. You could hear convincing arguments. You could understand the theology. And still it's possible for us to resist God's will to change us. Obstinance is normally a disease of the old person. And it kind of goes like this. I know what I like, and I don't want to try new things. The longer you live, the more you fall into that category. I know what I like and I don't want to try new things. And so uh, normally that is for those who have lived a little bit of life, have gone through a few things, have tried and perhaps failed or experienced things that you don't like. So we retreat to the territory of comfort, of familiarity. We retreat to the things that we understand and to the things that we can comprehend. And so... uh, the opposite of that is that normally youth and inexperience is normally the realm where people are flexible and trying new things. Normally, you see adolescents, teenagers, and early adults. This is uh, many of those people are defined by even unhealthy levels of risk taking, right? I was uh, fascinated to see, I learned a little bit about. Um, the Pony Express, a service, a mail service that was uh, inspired in the late 1800s before the telegraph was invented. And uh, there was a California gold rush. And uh, so, so many people were, were sending, uh, sending their family members out to California to try to strike it rich. And once there was a large population of people living in California, well, you know, there, there had to be 
a, a, a service in order to communicate back and forth from the rest of the United States to the California booming gold towns. And, uh, and so they developed this service called the Pony Express. It only existed for about 18 months, very short-lived, but grew so much in, in, uh, in fame uh, because it represented the spirit of the American West. And so the Pony Express was an amazing thing. Uh, it was before the days of instant messages, FaceTime, or emails. This was the only way to move information across 1,900 miles from the city of St. Joseph, Missouri, to Sacramento, California. And in those days, the fastest that information could travel was on the back of a horse. That, that was the fastest that anyone could travel, about 25 to 30 miles an hour. And so what they did, these 1,900 miles, think about that, 1,900 miles between the center of the United States and Sacramento, California, which was the end of the line. And so what they did was they had a station every 10 miles. From the beginning, a young man would jump on a horse, ride as fast as he could for 10 miles. Then once the horse was tired, they would have a, another horse ready, watered, fed, and ready to go. He would hop off of the one horse, jump onto the second one, and ride as fast as he could for another 10 miles. And so they had 190 stations all across this route that went from Missouri all the way to California. And at any given time, they would have 80 young men carrying mail and packages and information and newspapers uh, from the American Midwest to the American West. Now, I want you to think about the kind of person that would want to be involved in riding on the back of a horse through the American West at danger of peril, night and day, 24 hours, through, uh, through severe country, sometimes up high in the mountains, other places deep down low in valleys, surrounded by, uh, by tribes of Native Americans that were hostile to Westerners, they would be shooting arrows and attempting to attack. There were, they would have to protect them. Think about what it would take to be a person carrying the mail like that. And so, uh, you've already put up on the screen, the, uh, the, the requirements, the call that they put out for young men. We need young men. And, uh, and this is what they wanted. They wanted young, skinny, wiry fellows. Not over 18 must be expert riders willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred. Who are these guys? These are the thrill seekers. You know, to ride a horse in those days at the kind of speeds that they would ride, that was literally the fastest you could travel over land without jumping off a cliff. It was the fastest, I mean, it was... It's the same reason why, uh, you know, an 18-year-old uh, new sailor is going to go out and buy a motorcycle, right? Because he's going to jump on the back of that thing and go 100 miles an hour because the feeling, that need for speed. Is that a wise decision? <laughs> Probably not. It's not good for your health. But uh, these are the same type of fellows that are going to be involved in the Pony Express. And... Uh, can I tell you, they had no shortage of volunteers. Even at risk of their lives in their own hands every single day. 
And though some of those men still live on in infamy today, one of the most famous is Buffalo Bill Cody, who got his start as a Pony Express rider. So those young men, they were seeking thrill. They were seeking risk. They were seeking to do something new and exciting and fun and, and even dangerous. And that added to the excitement. You know what's amazing to me? I don't see that very often, even in young people in our generation. I don't see that in young adults, in teenagers. We have taught an entire generation that the world is a scary place that you need to hide from. Hide behind a mask, hide behind a screen. And to the point now where even there are young people who are afraid to answer phone calls because they don't want to enjoin themselves to a conversation. What we see, we see it playing out in the unwillingness for people to get married until late in their 30s. And the reason is because many young people are just afraid of risk, afraid to live and uh, experience danger. And what this can lead to, church, this can lead to obstinance. The unwillingness to try new things or take on risk can cause us at any age to become obstinate. This is not about how old are you this morning. This is about the condition of your heart. This is about your willingness to do something new for the kingdom of God. There is a great danger that we see displayed in the word of God. We've been talking this morning a little bit already about Pharaoh. In Exodus 7, God says this about Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses that Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. It didn't matter what kind of uh, tragedies would befall his people. It didn't matter what kind of signs and wonders were performed, did it? He saw all of that, and what did he say? I'm not going to change my mind. He was stubbornly refusing to hear. This is not just the word of Moses, not just the word of Aaron, but he was stubbornly refusing to listen to God. And I have seen people sit at the end of a church row for years in the same way, listening to sermon after sermon, making excuse after excuse, and even uh, I've had conversations with people, and, uh, and many times it seems like, and even in my own life, I see areas of obstinance and stubbornness where we resist the Holy Spirit. Those who are uh, persuaded of the Reformed type of theology, the once saved, always saved, they say there is such a thing as irresistible grace. And to that I say, every grace is resistible because we resist God at every point. When God tries to save you, you run away from Him. When God tries to seek you, when God tries to lead you into righteousness, we resist Him at every point. We can, unless the Holy Spirit helps us. We resist Him. Part of the sermon that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was, you stubborn-necked people. You always resist the Holy Spirit. That is the obstinance that we can find ourselves in at any age. 
In our generation, many young people affected by this. And in generations past, we can fall into this, the idea of, I know what I like, I don't want to try new things. The children of Israel were also known because they hardened their hearts. In Psalm 95, verse 8, it says, Do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. After 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Why? Is it because God hated those people? No, He loved them. He wanted to save them. But they were obstinate in their unbelief. They refused to trust God time and time again. And God says, I cannot give my promised land to that kind of a people. The question is, what kind of promise does God have waiting for you? But you're not experiencing it. You're not going into it because of a stubborn, rebellious, obstinate heart. Zechariah 7, verse 11. They refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. It reminds me of the the martyrdom of the Apostle Stephen, as they, were, uh, as they were listening to his sermons, as he was reminding them of how stubborn they were, what did the Bible say? They stopped their ears. They said, we don't want to hear it. And they all rushed at him with one accord and stoned him until he was dead. I want to tell you, that is the picture, unfortunately, of many, uh, of many people in the church and in the world today. I refuse to hear what God is trying to say to me. Obstinance is an old person's disease, but it can also affect even the youth. We're seeing that in our generation. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. I want to say to you this this morning that God will call old dogs 
to learn new tricks. I love this about our scripture. I have a few pictures I want to show you that were posted on social media. Don't do it yet. (laughs) The title on this, many years ago, my great-grandmother made a promise that if she made it to her 100th birthday, that she would ride her first motorcycle. That day has now come. Come on, Granny. Riding on the motorcycle for the first time on her 100th birthday. You know how much I love that? This next picture, the title says, My 96-year-old grandma playing virtual reality for the first time. Look at the joy. Look at the great time she's having. How many 96-year-olds do you know have put on virtual reality headset? And they miss out on the joy that this woman has. Okay, one more. 100-year-old Ruby Holt sees the ocean for the first time in her life. There she is. Dipping her toes in the water. You can leave that up there, Amanda. There's something special about the first time. Many worldly songs have been written about the first time. The problem is that as you navigate this life that we live, you start running out of things that you've done for the first time. My challenge this morning is I want to challenge you to new obedience for the kingdom of God. I want to challenge you that let God speak to you to do something for him for the first time. And whether you've been saved for 20 years or 30 or 40 or 20 minutes, there are no doubt, I have no doubt this morning, that there is something for God that you haven't done yet. And if, uh, if you can't think of anything, I'll be happy to help with a few suggestions. Now, I just want to say, obviously, that not every first is a good thing. The enemy will also twist this temptation to cause people to fall in sin. I'm not talking about uh, committing adultery for the first time, you know, or doing drugs for the first time, right? Those things, they have a a certain appeal that the enemy will lie to you about and say this is going to fulfill your life and can lead to a great misery, right? What we are talking this morning, what we are talking about is new levels of obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the thing, I want to tell you, the thing that will bring excitement and passion and zeal once again back into your life is when you do something new for Him. God will call you to remarkable first times. And I want to tell you how this happens. It happens through surrender and obedience. I want you to think about the life of Abraham for a moment here. So Abraham, we started with this scripture that seems like it doesn't make sense. And on the surface, it doesn't. Why do you have a 99-year-old man who is, for the very first time in his life, performing an operation on himself, which I will not go into detail about, but it was the sign of God's covenant that remains until this day Every faithful Jew still performs this same sign, but thankfully it happens early on in the life of a little baby boy. 
And so here you have a 99-year-old man. At this moment in his life, God calls him to do something new. Something that is not comfortable. Something that is actually very difficult. And it was the first time that he had done this. Now the question is, how? How does this happen? I want to say to you that the reason that Abraham didn't blink, the reason that Abraham didn't question, he didn't have any second thoughts, he said, uh, God, this doesn't make sense. He, he didn't have any of that, any doubt in his mind. The reason is because Abraham had a habit of obedience to God. I want you to think about it. Now, I know Abraham is not a perfect man. We've, I, I have preached in the past about his mistakes, and they were not a few, right? He was a man who was fallen just like everybody else. But what we do know about Abraham, uh, Abraham is that when he was called Abram, living in the Ur of the Chaldees, under his father's house, that God called him to obedience, and he responded. What's amazing about this scripture is that I don't think Abram was the only man that God called. I don't think that Abram was any more special than any other man who lived in the Ur of the Chaldees or any other place. The thing that made him unique and special was that he responded to the call of God when many others would not. We read this when we are introduced to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. In other words, I want you to leave your place of comfort, where you are now, the place that you are familiar with, with the language that you're familiar with, with the food you're familiar with, with the house and the comforts and the luxuries that you're familiar with. I want you to leave all that behind, and I want you to go out. And he's, okay, where are we going, God? He says, I'll show you once you get there. No guarantees, right? No pension, no benefits, not even a destination on the map to go to. And he says, will you follow me, Abram? And verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He didn't tell him where to go. He just told him to leave. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. I don't think anybody here is 75 years old. So the idea this morning is, you who are not 75 years old, are you willing to step out in faith to follow the Lord? even when there's no guarantee, even when there's no uh, pension involved, even when there's uh, not even a, a plan. I want to say, the obedient, the willingness to do new things for God began in Abram's life of 20 years, 25 years prior. Because he was willing to go out, then it makes absolute sense, this scripture that we read, at 99 years old, he's still doing new things God. Now we read in, in our scripture, Genesis chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, again, verse 1 from Genesis 17, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. He gives him the new name, Abraham, the father of many nations. And in verse 9 says, God said to Abraham, as for you, 
You shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. The point here, church, is that Abraham was not inexperienced with God. The reason that he was able to step forward and do new things for the Lord was because this was the pattern of his life. This was the pattern of his decision-making. I can guarantee you that these old grannies, and isn't it interesting that all three of those were, were, were women? They weren't men. Somehow women seem to be less stubborn about things than men are. I've observed, you know, it's a pretty rare thing to find uh, some of these old codgers, you know, who are willing to try new things for the Lord. Sometimes men can be far more stubborn, and women can be far more open to the things of God. This is why a good, healthy marriage is a great thing, because we can challenge one another in our stubbornness. Here's Abram, though, he gives us hope. Because this was the pattern of his life, think about this. His story begins at 75 years old, leaving the comforts of his father's house, his father's land, his father's blessings, and going out, striking it out uh, on his own for the kingdom of God. His story continues, and he also does so many things for the first time. For example, he's the first one that God makes a direct covenant with in the Bible, uh, other than Adam, of course. But we have uh, God speaking to Abram and saying, I will make you as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Abram, if you'll follow me, if you'll trust me. We have the, the, we have the account of Abram and Isaac, his son, the son of promise. And, uh, and God wants, uh, has given him this great gift of promise, a future, a hope, a generations to come. And God speaks to Abram and tests him says, are you really, are you really my faithful servant? I want you to take the very thing that I've given to you, the very blessing that I have placed in your life, and I want you to give him back to me. And Abram, this is unprecedented in the Bible, right? This is, we've never seen it before this moment or since. And God calls him, take your son, your only son Isaac, take him to the top of Mount Moriah, and there offer him as a sacrifice. And isn't it amazing? The the very next verse, it says that Abram rose early the next morning to go and obey that command. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to talk to Mrs. Abraham about it. He didn't have to consult. He simply obeyed at the word of God. That was something new, wasn't it? He'd never had to do that before. And yet his pattern of his life is faithful obedience to God. And now, as he's 99 years old, God is calling him to another new thing. But this time, it's not going to be comfortable. Well, he's used to that already. He's used to not being comfortable with God. I want to just make a statement. Don't get used to comfortable in your life for God. If you get used to comfortable, you will often find yourself out of God's will. Because the place where God moves is when you move out of your comfort zone. You know, this is, why we, this is why we have outreach, right? So we go on outreach, we 
Invite people to service. You know why? Uh, you know why that's hard for many people? Because it's not comfortable. A conversation about Jesus is not always the most comfortable thing. It's not always the easiest to begin speaking about Jesus to a stranger. It's not easy to knock on a door and, you know, be forward about, about what God has done in your life, right? It, it requires a willingness to be uncomfortable, right? This is, why, uh, this is why we take people on international impact teams, why we're going to Peru in the month of June. Uh, listen, we're doing that because, not because it's easy, but actually because it's hard. We're going to make it harder on ourselves. Like, we could go to outreach across the street. But why are we flying in intercontinental airways to another nation on the, uh, on the, in the southern hemisphere? We're leaving while it's summertime here, and we're going to arrive in wintertime down there. Why are we doing that, and why are we paying loads, hundreds of dollars to do that? Because it's where God wants us to go. When we step out of our comfort zones, many times that is the place where God moves. And my question for you this morning is, when is the last time you did something new for the Lord? When is the last time that you stepped out, even if it requires some pain, some discomfort? Sometimes God will challenge us to give new levels of offerings for Him. Sometimes it is revealed in our finances. I made a, a statement, I think it was last week, in our Bible study, and, uh, and that was that, you know, that uh, it would be a good idea as God blesses you over the years, God blesses you financially and helps you, and, uh, and as you live for God, it would be a good idea to give more as each year goes by, as a percentage of your income. Why is that? Is it easy? Is it comfortable? No, right? The challenges of life, there's always uh, things that we didn't plan for, didn't expect, and yet, I believe God would bless you and help you the same reason that He blessed and helped the children of Israel on their way out of Egypt so that we can build something for God. And so, uh, one thing that we have tried to practice is that every year we give a larger percentage of our income to the kingdom of God. A larger percentage as each year goes by. And if we give a smaller percentage, we see that as a failure. I didn't say 10%. I said a larger percentage. Maybe that turns into 15 or 20. Say, uh, get behind me, Satan. Maybe God is in those areas where you step out of your comfort zone. Maybe that's the time that God begins to bless. When is the last time you did something new for God? Come on, old dogs. When's the last time you learned a new trick? Say, Pastor, I know what I like, and I don't want to try new things. I cast that spirit out of this church today. In Jesus' name, we must be willing to do new things, new sacrifices. See, the most challenging things are not the fun and the exciting ones, right? Things like this on the screen, that's fun, that's exciting. Everybody got a smile on their face when they see this. The real challenge is when God calls you, like Abraham, to do something that's not fun or exciting. When it's a new level of obedience that's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require cutting away of flesh. It's going to require that we uh, give up some of our comfort, some of our pleasure, some of our entertainment. 
When's the last time, church, that you did something new? You know, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, this, uh, this new thing that has happened in my life, for the first time in 40 years, I was able to run without, you know, without, uh, without stopping for, for 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, that was not easy. If you would have seen me, you would not think I was enjoying myself. And the truth is, I wasn't enjoying myself. The dog was having a great time, but I was struggling. And yet, when I looked down at my, at my watch, which was tracking my steps and how far I was going, I surprised myself. I said, wow, I can't believe that happened. And uh, this sermon was born because I did something for the first time. I want to tell you something. I, I was challenged. God began to challenge me. Is there, is there something in the supernatural that I haven't done for you, Lord? Are there new territories? One of the guys that I listen to uh, on the radio, on a, a podcast, actually, he, uh, he, uh, one of the things he loves to do, Dennis Prager, is to go to new nations. He says, I've been to 135 out of 190 nations, and I want to go, to, I want to go see more. Every time he comes back from a new na- nation, he's excited. He's talking about his experience. Uh, the, the one that he went to before COVID was the nation of Hungary. He said, I've never been to Hungary. And for me, it's the most special thing to be able to visit a nation that I've never been to before. Somebody said that living in only one nation of the world is like reading one chapter out of a book. You have no idea what you're missing. And for me, maybe God is calling you to new territory. God is calling you to new obedience, to new giving, to new sacrifice. I challenge you, the things that will change your future and your family forever are the things that are going to require discomfort, not comfort, are the things that are going to make you work harder, not easier. Let's talk about the result as we close. Because Abraham's willingness to cut his own flesh at 99 years old, what did this produce? God said that this will be a sign for all generations to come. And as I mentioned, Every generation of faithful Jewish boys have had this procedure in their lives ever since. Not only that, it's not just a medical procedure. God says, this is a sign of my covenant with you. This is a sign that you have entered in to my covenant, to my blessings, to all the promises that we want to receive from God. And guess what? The Jewish people... Like it or not, they have been blessed for 6,000 plus years because of the faithfulness of this man. That, that, can you think of any other nation which was completely obliterated and wiped out and destroyed and then 2,000 years later came back into existence? Can you think of any other nation that that? Babylon is gone. Rome is gone. Right? All of the, all of the ite nations of the, of the Old Testament... They're all gone, but there's Israel. They're still on the map today. Their capital, guess what it is? Jerusalem. How do you explain that? I explain that by saying somebody obeyed God. And God has poured out His blessing and favor on those people. The New Testament records that we also can become children of Abraham through the blood of Jesus. 
that we can be grafted into the vine that uh, that that vine which is the nation of Israel that you and I we can be enjoined to the same promises to the same blessings to the same promises of God but listen that's not without a cost for the Jewish people the sign of that covenant was a physical one in their bodies but in the New Testament it says let your hearts be circumcised let your ears let let your tongue let the, uh, the, the fleshy parts of our lives, those things that, uh, that lead us into sin and temptation, let those things be circumcised. Let them be cut away. Because as we do that, that is the mark of God's covenant for our lives through the blood of Jesus. You don't have to be a Jew to experience all of the same blessings and even more through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But see, the mark... The reason that we would be willing to do something uncomfortable is because of a pattern of obedience over time. Let God challenge you this morning to new levels of obedience. Let God teach an old dog a few new tricks this morning. Maybe God would challenge you to speak, to start a new ministry. Maybe God would challenge you to pray for the sick. Pastor, I've never done that before. Perfect. Maybe God would challenge you to speak in tongues or God would challenge you to, uh, to a new Bible study or to read a, a new book or to, to uh, reach out to a neighbor for the first time. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I do know this. It's probably not going to be comfortable and it's probably not going to be easy. And that many times is the mark that God says, this is the sign of my covenant that I'm still moving in your life, that I haven't forgotten you that I'm still moving, that you're still alive, that you haven't lost hope. God has kept us, and he has years of your life ahead of you. God would give you, I'm praying God will give me another 60 years like this lady right here, like my grandma. I'm, I'm praying for triple digits. But you know what? That's a long time. God help us that we don't become so stiff and so uh, comfortable and so static that we would still be alive, but we do nothing helpful for the kingdom. God, give us years. I, that's why we prayed for Pastor Mitchell. Pastor Mitchell, keep, just keep on living, Pastor, because he was so effective in his life for the kingdom. That's why we pray for Pastor Campbell. He's turning 80 this year. God, give him 20 more years. God, bless his health. You know why? Because the man makes disciples, and they are spread out all across the world. What about you when you turn 80? Will you still be doing something for God that makes a difference? My prayer is that as we all, as we all grow older for the Lord, and no matter where we're at in our journey, that we can still take on new tasks, new responsibilities, and new levels of obedience for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.